Online communities, classroom culture, and personal relationships have something in common. Whether it's forming a strong emotional bond, feeling included and accepted, or having an attachment to others, feeling like we belong makes us happy. Ever wonder why? Join me, Dr. Eileen Winokur, for my bi-weekly podcast, Journeys to Belonging, as I discuss my personal and professional experiences with belonging and interview educators and others as they share their stories of belonging. At the end of every episode, I'll offer advice about how we can all feel like we belong. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. Today, my guest is somebody really special. I feel like I know her, I've known her for a really, really long time. And I have Barbara Bray to thank for introducing us across the miles uh, over Twitter and for making me aware of, of the work, the wonderful work that she's doing, especially at this time in our history. And um, so welcome, Hedrick Nichols. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Eileen, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you're doing, um, you know, a, a little bit of your bio so everybody knows who you are. Okay, well, I teach CTE design in an IB setting. I'm uh, the district lead and write, write curriculum for them. I am a mom, passionately, bringing A game every day. And I do consulting and speaking to teachers and others on, I think, on issues of race and equity. And am also devoting some time to writing on issues of um, race, equity, techie things, PBL things. So I get to kind of just live out all my passions right now. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. We should all get to do that. And hopefully people are, people are working towards that goal. So, uh, yeah. Um, the first question I always like to ask my guests is, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging? What, what do you think of first? You know, Lillian, that's one of the wonderful things that I thought about your show, you know, Journey to Belonging, especially when we talk about um, things like equity. We often see equity in terms of race, in terms of gender. We don't think about really it's belonging and to making sure that the people that we are in contact with feel a sense of belonging and nobody feels, you know, elbowed out. And so that's what belonging um, means to me. When I talked to a friend, when I first launched my series, Small Bites, um, a friend asked, yeah, but how are you going to sustain that? He's a, a Black educator friend. And I said, well, the thing about it is, as long as there's us and them, there's always going to be a need for the talk, behind, talking about equity, about supporting everybody so that there's no big us and them. We might have little circles where, okay, I really love tech and you really don't, but it's not a, oh, those people don't like tech. It's a, hey, if you need me, I'm here. And you might be really into crocheting or knitting or running or cooking. And that might be not my thing. So that we have all of these us's that cross in a Venn diagram as opposed to an us circle and a them circle. 
So that's what belonging just means, making sure that we all have a place, that we recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses and see that as, as positive, those things as positive, as opposed to always feeling more on the defensive or making sure that we separate ourselves from others who are not like us. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's the one thing about belonging that many people misunderstand is that, uh, and Brene Brown talks about it, it's, it's not fitting in. It's not creating yourself in the image of others. It's being your own authentic self within that group and being accepted, accepting yourself for that and also being accepted. So I, I love that, that that's you know, what, the way you see it. And I think it's really important. And yeah, that it's a, that's an us. And I had never really thought about it before um, you mentioned it. And so I love thinking of it that way, that it's, that's, that it's an us. It's not just a, a me uh, or a them, um, the other, uh, and how do I fit in and so forth. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so you mentioned small bites. What I'd really like for, and I've listened to the episodes, as I mentioned, uh, would, would you like, uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how, <clears throat> excuse me, how Small Bites got started and what you hope to accomplish with Small Bites. Wow, um, that's such a good question. <clears throat> um, I don't know if you know, I used to be a um, career musician and some of the best songs that I wrote were songs that I woke up and there was just this lightning inspiration and it felt like the song just wrote itself. Wow. And that's kind of what Small Bites was. Things started to happen <clears throat> this summer. Well, COVID has had us first of all, very much connected to social media and media in a way that we might not be otherwise. Um, and things started to happen in summer, um, in spring, racial incidents, things that have always been going on, but they got a lot of media attention. There was a bird watcher incident in, um, in New York, and then there was George Floyd, and then there was Breonna Taylor. There were just things that happened in rapid succession. Um, additionally, my son, he's, uh, his father is actually German, Bavarian. And so, but I've always let him know, just like no one ever said Obama's the first biracial president or multiracial president, interracial president, none of that ever came, but he's the first black president. And in a perfect world, you know, you're a, you're a black man of German heritage. And we talk about his heritage and where he's from and we go to Bavaria and we, you know, do all those things, but we speak, and we speak German at home, but he's a black man. And I never gave him the impression that he was something other than that because we live in the South and one drop rule, I promise you, is probably still on somebody's uh, 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 um, constitution or, you know, drop, quadroon, octoroon, you know, all of those things live large. And so I already, I already knew that, you know, when it comes down to it, you'll deal with some colorism within, within the Black community. But when it comes down to it, you need to know who you are so that you'll be ready to be prepared for the things that'll happen. And so things started to happen. He was a cute, you know, he, as long as he was a little, you know, light-skinned guy with a little curly, curly hair bouncing around, you know, that was one thing. But now his hair's a little more coarse and he likes it kind of, he's a musician. So he wears this kind of funky, coolie, you know, childish Gambino Afro look thing. And that puts him firmly in the black man category. He's taller than I am, got facial hair. And so this summer, um, a church mentor, 
put a, a, a Black Lives Don't Matter video on a fam a church chat, and <laughs> wow. he he went skateboarding in our neighborhood, and all of a sudden, um, somebody a block over sent him told him, um, "Hey, go back to your own neighborhood. You know, get quit skating in our neighborhood." And he was in his own neighborhood, you know? So things like that have started to happen. So he's had to realize what it's like to be not the cute little kid with the curls where everybody literally petted him all the time and said, oh, your hair. Now he's just a black guy. And that comes with some, 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 some stuff. So all of that kind of came up and it was just small bites. I just knew, you know, how we've got to find a way to to, to create more equitable spaces on our campuses and in our communities. And calling each other racist, anti-racist, you know, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, that's not going to be helpful because that just kind of puts walls up. And I live in a community, I live, you know, I live in, a, in Texas in a community where generally, generally speaking, this is a red state. And if I talk to teachers, we are often on two sides of the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter continuum. And I have to be able to find a way to say, but look at my baby. You've watched him grow up. Can you really say his life doesn't matter? Okay, so then, you know, the opposite of Black Lives Matter is not All Lives Matter, it's Black Lives Don't Matter. So I know you don't mean that. So how can you get to a place where you don't have to change your ideology, you don't have to change your vote, but you might have to make some changes in your classroom so that you can meet every student equitably, so that you can love your kids the same. And so that's how small, small Bites got started. Just a way to give people, because those are great big words. Let's dismantle systemic racism. Those are, those are, those it's those overwhelming, are, really, yeah. yeah. And what, yeah. How do I go about, it's a great word, dismantle. And it's, it is what, essentially, it's what we need to do. But yes. do, I, do I take a pickaxe? Do I take a shovel? Do I take a sword, a book, uh, you know, a lawyer? What do I do? How do I, how do I dismantle the systemic racism that plagues our society? And so I just wanted to begin to break that down into something in small bites. Because, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so I really wanted to get to where, okay, you might not, I, I, I let, I'm going to say this again, and God knows that we have a lot of people in Texas who I, who I feel supported by. It's not that everybody is just thinking, ah, stop, I don't want to hear all that. Right. But a lot of, I do know, I have a lot of people who would never read a book entitled White Fragility. They just, mm -hmm. the title itself, you know, or how to be an anti-racist, the title itself would automatically cause them to shut down. Right. And that's okay. That's where they are in their journey. If you were raised in Vida, Texas, you never saw a black person in your town after sundown and you saw signs up that said they shouldn't be there in sundown. And that is your reality. That is your truth. The people who loved you and shaped you, that you, 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 you would feel like you were disloyal to turn on them and suddenly say, let's take down the flags and oh, my grandma was actually a big racist. You know, if, if it was my grandmama, my and honestly, my grandmom said some really, she was, she was born in 20, in the 20s. She said some very racist things. She saw people being lynched. She had a very different, a different relationship to white people than I did, than I do. And so when she said those things, she was a product of her time. Now, I was allowed to bring my white friends home and she loved them and fed them fried chicken like anybody else one-on-one. -on -one. 
but her reticence to deal with white people came from what she dealt with. So I can't be mad if because somebody doesn't want to get mad at Gramps who took them, you know, took them with the stars and bars in the truck fishing every Sunday. I can't yeah. get mad at that. I can't say, get rid of your whole history. It's racist. It's awful. You dehumanize the I can't. So, so I try to use words that are calling in words rather than calling out. And that's kind of my whole thing with small bites because the people who, who my son will confront who won't be kind to him are not the people who are going to go and read those great books. They're, you know what I mean? They're going to be people who probably, they might not even listen to small bites, but I'm at least hoping to use language that gives them the opportunity to see that change is not disloyalty to our history or disloyalty to patriotism or disloyalty to, to family and friends. It's simply a loyalty also to the people who you come into contact with, the people who you, uh, you shape, especially if you're a teacher or an educator. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's really important because you gave uh, those two really important examples um, of the sort of the two sides it's really important to understand and listen to people's stories. And I think that's one of the things that Small Bites does is that it presents the topic. Because even if, if everybody read those books, it would still be hard for me as an individual or the reader as an individual to figure out how to actualize, how to, how to make that, do that in actual real life. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I love about Small Bites is that you, you, you are able to give us specific action steps that we can do in a short amount of time, even zero to five, um, which is great because it's, I feel then empowered because I can go out and do that step, which will lead me to the next step. And then because I've seen that first step wasn't so difficult to take, I'm more willing to open up to take the other steps. And, um, and another thing I love that you talked about without really saying it was in the beginning, you started talking um, about the us and them and, and me. And it is true, you know, what Small Divides does is try to pull us in all together as us rather than looking at as as we're on one side or the other, we're all lives matter or black lives matter, we're, we're this or we're that. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think that's just so important. Um, I know that equity is front and center for you. Uh, so how do you see belonging? I know you talked about at the beginning that the us and them, but uh, how do you see belonging in terms of its relationship to equity and as part of your advocacy? That's, I guess that's exactly it. Right now, we're talking about equity and when it, when, it, when it has to do with the black community or especially right now also with the indigenous community. But it's all about belonging. And E5 kind of hammers it home. It talks about, tonight I'll talk about how we play, I grew up in the 70s, 70s babies hand over heart, there was no standing or sitting or kneeling, you stood up and you said the Pledge of Allegiance. And one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. When you say those words, then there is no Black Lives Matter, no All Lives Matter. You know what I mean? If we're really talking about it, then, then why, why am I having to say Black Lives Matter? Why? 
That should be very, very clear. And it is clear that they don't matter in the same, as much as other lives matter. You know, they're, you know, I can go back to all these kinds of statistics, but that's not what it's about. It's about if you as an American say all lives matter, or if you are, and this is, I'll say I'm a Christian, so I believe I, I have that particular frame of reference, but every single religion has a philosophy of loving and inclusion, every single one. So uh, that's important. If you really believe, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. Every major religion has that. And if you are meditating, you're meditating for peace. And so if, if it's sowing seeds of divisiveness, then it's not peace. And yeah. so that means that not the, not the Christians, not the Jews, not the Muslims, if you are at some point in your relationship, in your religion, where you are saying us versus them, then you are probably not really listening to your, your guiding prophet and your guiding tenets. Because belonging, equity is all about belonging. It's about the us. It's, a not, it's about the not them. You, I, I love what you said earlier about accepting your, your authentic self and being accepted as your authentic yeah. self. I should not have to be anything other than who I am to be accepted to find my place in the world. And we can disagree, but we can disagree civilly. My bestie I grew up with, she was Catholic and I was Baptist. And we went to church with each other and it was, it was just a, a thing of wonder, you know? But I mean, I, I, can, I can say to him, oh, Mary, just like if I grew because that was a part of my church and she knows how to clap on beat. Like, like I, you know, it's just, we, there yeah. was never a, why do y'all do that? Well, mm -hmm. why are you up and down on your knees? Or why is that lady over there screaming and waving her hands? There was just never that. And when I think back to that, she felt comfortable. She was accepted. She felt that she belonged when she was at my church. I felt that I belonged when I was at her church. And I feel like that's how it should be with everybody. We should not be looking at each other and saying, you don't belong. Right. That's, that's not what, that's not what equity, that's not what equity is. That's not what loving your neighbor is. It's not what right. treating others as you want to be treated. I don't want to go anywhere. I love when I live in Switzerland, I like going to the store and they'd say, Hey, Miss Nichols, what would you like today? Uh, do you want your usual today? It made me feel like I belonged. And yeah. I think we all want that. And yeah. so why would we not give that to others? Why would we withhold that from others? So belonging right. and equity are one and the same because if we, if you, if you belong to my family, I'm not going to give, give, give myself a whole lot of food and then give you as my kid or my husband or my sister a little bit of food. I'm going to make sure you have access to everything. Yeah. And that's yeah. what belonging is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the fact that, uh, you know, belonging is, is a human need and we, we all have to have it in order to be able to succeed in anything really. Um, and so it's, it's related to everything that we do. I, I think that, you know, part of the reason why I started on this whole journey of blogging and podcasting about belonging is because so many people were interested in my story about how I can feel I belong where I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and how I can also feel I belong in Kuwait, because they're just, you know, two sides, two opposite sides of the coin, it seems. But I, I think you're so right, Hedrick, because 
it really was a matter of me feeling accepted and also feeling so enriched in my life, like you said about you and your friend, because I was learning something different, appreciating that difference, and really having that person appreciate you know, the difference in me and understand and accept and, you know, and enjoy it. And so, yes, it's, it's so important for us to really not see that other. And I hope, hope we get to that point. And, and that's why, you know, I love the small bites because I think it really helps people get to that point. And so I'm hoping that people will, that it will catch on and that people will really take it, take advantage of, of listening to it because it's just, like, like you said, it's just a small bite. So it's, it's obviously something that we, we all can do. Um, I know that you're in the middle school classroom. And I also know that middle school is a really difficult time for children, for students to begin to find their identity, to figure out who they are. Um, they're starting to sort of see the world in a different way. So how do you, in terms of equity and belonging, how do you do that inside your classroom, inside your school? Um, it's, it's so important for us to create that, that atmosphere for, for them. How are you able to do that? Um, you know, I mean, culture is everything. I love testing and assessment and ACTs and college preparation. I love all of those things. They are just not my number one priority. My number one priority is culture. And that's because Maslow before blooms. I mean, you know, they, you, they can't learn if they feel uncomfortable or they're going to be laughed at or they're going to be called stupid or so unless we set up you know we we think of culture as something well no they, they, i've seen the reading scores we got to do the reading scores we got to get them close those gaps yep and the kid who is is going through something that we don't even know about can't learn and we're looking for reasons at school instead of talking to the child and finding out what's going on, oh my gosh, they need this service or that service or just to talk or just a friend or just something that we might be able to do or maybe just an ear to listen if we can't do something. And that's why they're not doing well. So unless we can, unless we build culture, unless we build relationships, we are not gonna see the academic gains and there are a whole bunch of statistics on that stuff too. So, yeah. um, so I guess, the culture is number one. And I, when they come in on day one, I have a little video I play and it's the first, in the first two units, I keep coming back to this. I rarely do an actual test assessment. Everything's pretty much project-based, but I usually come up with uh, exit ticket and questions that's, that remind them, what's my number one rule? And usually they'll say, not eating and drinking with the Chromebooks or the computers. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, go to the bathroom before class, <laughs> you know, they come up because I'm, I'm kind of a bear, <clears throat> older brain. Uh, but then they finally, about half of them get it early, but all of them get it after about a month and a half, about six weeks in, they get it. Kindness matters. That we Absolutely. do not, we don't laugh at each other. We work together. If somebody has a question and you know the answer, then you help. You don't say, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Mm. I, that's what we do. And so we have learning groups. And by 
the, by, by December, they go to each other before they come to me. And okay, I do have yeah, the fantastic, ask three, yeah. Ask three before yes, you ask yes. me. Yeah. But they talk to each other. They have their learn their their their, their learning group leader, and then the, they talk. Oh, did you do it? Oh, you did it. Okay. And when we when we do skills things, then I say, you know, okay, who's got it? Great, circulate the room. All right, help somebody. All right, you can now first group circulating. You can go and have some fun on whatever website. All right, next group, who's done? Great, go and help somebody. So there is this learning, and when they if they want to see me get angry, then they can say something just mean. And it's, so it becomes a place where kids come out to me or they, you know, they talk, come by at lunch and they talk about what's going on at home. Yeah. I can hook them up with the counselor because they, it, it's a safe space, you know, and I have my little yeah. out, space, out, out safe space little thingy as well. So yeah. kids just know, okay, this is not somebody who's going to judge me, whatever's going on. And that's, that's hugely important to me. That's hugely important for our class, for our culture. And then guess what? The academics also come up. So I, yeah, yeah. it's just important that everybody feels safe. Everybody feels supported and everybody feels a sense of belonging because yeah. that's, what's going to make good students. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I know that that uh, teachers are really worried about and parents obviously are worried about what's going to happen in the fall when, when, nobody really knows what school is going to look like. And there really needs to be even more of an emphasis on creating that culture, creating those relationships, and taking enough time before the content begins to be taught. And I so agree with you there because it's, it's been a really traumatic experience. And if we think of the students who come into our classrooms before the pandemic, who, as you mentioned, we don't know what their stories are or whatever, if we don't create that space for them and create that culture and those relationships, then there's, you know, we know Maslow's, Maslow before Bloom, we're not going to have that success. And so you can pound the content into them all you want, but if you don't have them feeling like they belong, you're absolutely right, Hedrick. They're not going to feel like they're going to be a success. Um, that self-efficacy is such a huge part of feeling like they belong. So I love, I love that advice. I love what you said. Um, and I'm so afraid because, you know, yeah. the, the, in, in America, and actually I know, I know Switzerland, I think Japan, suicide rate between kids, uh, with kids between 10 and 24 is, the, it's like, I think the number one cause of death. That's wow! Awful. It's I, I, just I, and I can't remember this. I just remember that yeah. ten to twenty-four is is just it's a tragic statistic. Yeah. And if we are pressuring our kids, I saw that, and I saw that yeah. this wonderful we're gonna have. So this year will be a, a GDP loss of you know some wonderful exponential number that th these kids this learning loss is gonna have have consequences for our GDP. Yeah. <laughs> our GDP. Yeah. Somehow we will, if we survive the Great Depression, we'll survive this too. But yes. I want my kids to be alive to survive it. They will be yes. able to catch up 
next year or you know if we're all a year dumber when we go to college in two years and we're just a year dumber guess what they have their whole lives to learn things but if they're not around because they're so destroyed that we produce a year of kids who either kill themselves or you know get into drugs or self-medicating behaviors alcohol what's that going to do with our with our gdp so i really hope that everybody gets on the same page about making sure that kids and staff and Mm -hmm. all of our first responders you know the people who are working in the hospitals that we are taking care of those 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 traumatic traumatic events and treating this as as the adverse childhood event that it is so that we can all be okay in another year yeah yeah it's it's extremely important and we also have to remember what students have learned in terms of life skills during this, um, in terms of persistence and in terms of being able to um, manage things, uh, thinking skills, uh, having been been responsible perhaps for their siblings and and who knows what. So finding all that out from them will really help us uh, at the beginning of the year because then we know what kind of skills, you know, we worry about them, we, you know, uh, this, this population of, of youth, we have called very entitled and coddled and all of that. But obviously, this circumstance has pushed them into another realm. We need to find out what skills they've gained over the past number of months in terms of life skills, because that will set them up for success also. And we need to give them credit for that because they probably don't even realize they have those skills. That's right, that's yeah. right. That's the, yeah, that's a great point. That is such a great yeah. point. So um, I, I hate to say we're, we're finishing up the, the chat because I, I'm really enjoying this so much, but is there any other advice that you can give to teachers um, for, as you mentioned, uh, for their own belonging uh, at school, for students in their classrooms, anything else that you you think is really important that they that they should know now and in the future in terms of equity, in terms of advancing that feeling of inclusion and the feeling of us in their classrooms and their schools. I think that just breathe, you know, breathe. Think of the one student right in front of you. And that, that helps everybody. If we start looking at big systems and pulling down systems, we get overwhelmed, we get into our feelings, we get into our, this is how we've always done it. Do your best for every student right in front of you. And this, for this coming year, I think my big, I'll take the last two things that we said, give those kids that that's huge. I mean, that's huge. Give the kids credit for all the things that they have managed, learned and succeeded at since we since we went into lockdown that's they they they, they've got all these great skills so make them feel successful as opposed to approaching them from the all right you've lost learning (laughs) let's catch up you know they already that 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 whole idea of deficits yeah it's it's really not the best place to start it's not the place to start at all actually i totally agree so that let's start with what they've won in this incredibly unprecedented time and let's go from there and just and just breathe a, a huge measure measure of grace that's one thing if you if you extend grace it every time not just the covid era then you are going to be able to 
create more equitable spaces for your classroom, make your students feel more us a bigger, deeper sense of belonging. And you'll also get the opportunity to watch some growth in a way that you did not think you would see. So breathe, extend grace, and start from a, a place of where they, what, they've, what they've achieved on their own so far. I love that, Hedrick. That's a wonderful way to end our conversation. And please let everybody know where are the best places to find you? Well, if you know how to spell Third Reich, I always say that because my, my name is Hedrick, and so it's H-E-D-R-E-I-C-H. <laughs> and if you can spell that, you can find me. It's YouTube, Hedrick, Twitter, Hedrick, Instagram, Hedrick, Facebook, Hedrick. So there I am. Absolutely. And please be sure to, make, to look for Small Bites with Hedrick right. on YouTube. Um, I know that you'll really Yes. Yes. And tonight is episode five, right? Yes, episode eight, five, and we'll be talking about, Central. Yeah. talking about Black Lives Matter students and All Lives Matter, Matter teachers and how we can get to a place where we don't allow that conflict to grow and burgeon into something ugly in our classrooms. Wonderful. Thanks again, Hedrick. This was a fantastic opportunity for me. I've learned so much from you along the way. And today I learned even more. So thank you very much for being on my podcast today. Eileen, thank you so much for having me. This has been beautiful. Thank you so much. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Journeys to Belonging. Um, and the next episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Twitter at Eileen Winokur, I-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-O-K-U-R, or on Instagram at Eileen underscore W. And you can also find my blog uh, at the website https colon forward slash forward slash cultures dot build. See you in two weeks.